Uh, well, welcome to my church. I'm Jeff, and I'm one of our pastors here. And uh, before we get started this morning, let me just brag about how God used our church last week, and uh, you guys did a phenomenal job as volunteers and as guests and as hosts. What a wonderful day. Uh, let me just show you real quick a highlight video that we just uh, uh, in the process of working on, but just got late last night. So let me give you a quick Easter highlight to uh, bring you up to speed if you missed out. So it was a phenomenal day. And let me just share some pretty cool stats with you. Here's some stats from Sunday. We had uh, 1,900 people. That's, that's bigger than we've ever had in anything we've ever done before. So we were a little unprepared for that. We actually added 200 chairs from last Easter. Uh, so we had 1,400 chairs. So that means you, you do the math. Uh, we had some people and volunteers that uh, didn't have places to sit. Uh, 300 volunteers. Were there not red shirts everywhere, right? I felt like we had the greatest volunteers on earth, and I felt like we did a phenomenal job. We did a phenomenal job, and our goal was with our volunteers to treat every person uh, with, with the greatest amount of kindness and love and grace because we wanted people to feel like this was the most accepting place on the planet. And I feel like for that moment on that day, uh, it really was that for a lot of people because... Many people uh, made Jesus leader and forgiver of their life, meaning we had 200-plus people get saved. So that's really, really awesome. So I'm really proud of our church. I love you guys. It's an awesome, awesome experience to serve God with you and to feel proud of our church so much so that you'd invite your friends and guests. And let me just say, if you're a guest here this morning, and maybe last week was your first week, uh, thank you for coming back. My wife said I should, should apologize. You know, we look at all the behind the scenes and how do we make it better. And she said, baby, you, you really kind of made some, you know, some mistakes. She didn't say it all bluntly like I'm saying it to you. But she's like, baby, you made them hold those tickets up like forever. <laughs> I'm like, baby, that's because I was on my ADD medicine. I was focused longer. So I apologize if you like held a ticket up and you're like, okay, can I put it down now? So anyway, sorry about that. Well, this morning we're going to dive into the rest of this conversation. Uh, on, on, on just this idea, how good is grace and how good is it uh, to our lives and how can we apply this, the teaching uh, from both last week and this week. Last week, one of our, our statements that, I really, that really has been resonating in my life is grace is not earned, it's offered, meaning it's not something we can go out and attain, it's something that comes from God. And so this morning, we're going we're gonna to dive into like part B of this conversation, and we're going to take the next several weeks and just talk about God's grace because it is awesome, because it is just amazing. And I think we can get lost in grace. We get lost in our human side of grace. We know grace two ways. One, we know grace on a receiving end, which we absolutely love when we get it, but we're not great at giving it. (laughs) And so sometimes we get confused Right? Because there needs to be justice. Right? There needs to be someone who's, who's towing the line saying there's, there's some wrong and there's some right in the world. That's why God gave us the law like so we would know in the, from the very beginning what is wrong and what's right. But then God sent us Jesus. What's crazy about this whole picture is God is both the one who is just, saying that there is a right and wrong, and 
you know, he's the one that's just. He's the one that, that acknowledges when there's right and there, when there's wrong. But here's what's great. He's also not just the person who's just, but he's also the justifier, right? He said there's right and wrong, but he made us right through his son, Jesus. And so we'll talk about this idea of grace today from the standpoint of today's kind of aim with this, this idea of grace is grace is something that carries us and extends itself to us for our entire lifetime. Grace is something that carries us. Um, I remember many times in our parenting existence um, that we had our kids fall asleep on us on the way back home in the car or on a vacation. The one that comes to mind the most is the times on the beach that we'd stayed up late at night or come back out on the beach at night and done the whole flashlight, you know, chase anything in the edge of the water, catch crabs, catch fish, wait out as, as deep as we possibly could before, you know, the kids said, no, we're going to get eaten by sharks, you know, whatever. But I can remember an experience with my son, J.D., where we had gone like a mile down the beach. We both had flashlights. He'd run all day long, played ball, done his little, you know, whatever stuff he could do out in the waves he could do, floated, swam, just goofed off all day to where we'd got down so far where he just literally sat down in the sand and started just wilting, like just, I'm, I'm, I'm done. And, you know, some kids, um, some kids, they get to that tired state and there's like that moment before you got to pick them up and carry them because they're falling asleep that they have a meltdown. Like, you know, they're tired when they have a meltdown. Well, J.D. never had a melt. He doesn't, he's not a meltdown kind of guy. He just literally just falls down. Literally, he goes so hard when he's done, he's just done. So he was doing this wilt over thing sitting on the beach. We picked him up, and I started carrying him, and he just was like a limp body. I said, Christy, is he, is he asleep? She's like, oh, yeah, he's gone. Like his head's like, like, you know, like when you're sleeping good, he was sleeping good. From the moment I picked him up, he was out like a light. And I can remember walking down the beach just getting tired carrying him, right? Like I'm, you know, like, okay, he's like, what, 30 pounds or whatever he was, you know, four or five years ago, just walking down the beach but being, being so proud of like, I'm this kid's dad, and I get to carry him, and he can trust that from point A when he's asleep to point B, he's going to get to his bed, right? He's going to get to the safe place where he's in his bed, snuggled up, and I'm going to make sure it happens. In the very same way, it's a picture of God's grace. God's grace is extended to us, and God's grace is sufficient for us to carry us and stay with us for our entire lifetime. Now, I want to show this to you this morning in a, in a passage of Scripture that I would say, if you grew up in church, everybody knows this story. In fact, you probably heard it 50 times, at least the, the main part of the story. But I want, to, I want to tease this out a little bit this morning and tell you a part that you probably maybe you've never heard of out of this story. Now, if you're, you're not a, a Christ follower, you're new to Bible study, one, I'm glad you're here this morning. We're used to you being here. We have a lot of first-time guests. In fact, 54% of our church, when we surveyed you uh, a couple months back, we found out 54% of our church was not churched before you came to my church. Awesome. And then we also learned that 45% of our church has become Christ followers in our church. So if you don't believe, give us some time. I think we can, maybe through grace and through love and just showing you some truth, maybe you can experience some of God's forgiveness and His grace. So um, let me show you this story. It's, it's a story called... 
Well, it's not called anything, but the guy's name in the story is named Noah. Anybody know guy? Anybody ever heard of the story named about a guy named Noah? Noah, right? All right. No, what did Noah do? He built a what? He built a boat, right? Built an ark. And it's pretty, I mean, it's one of those stories in the Bible that, like, most everybody knows about, right? Whether you're Christian, non-Christian, people have heard of Noah and the ark. So before I dive into this, let me ask you two pertinent questions leading into this story, because I think it's going to make sense later on. Does, is, let's see, does God know everything? Just, y'all don't sound very sure of that. (laughs) Does God know everything? All right, very good, very good. Even if you're not a Christian, you probably could assume if God put the earth in motion and created people, because I don't believe we got here by chance, all right? God knows everything. Is God encompassed by time? No, all right? That was a little bit more difficult. But God knows the beginning and the end, right? He's God. He's sovereign. He's over everything. He's writing the story of our lives. He's trying to help you, some of you right now, um, in some areas of your life, he's like, I've got to get this guy through this mess right now. I've got to help him work through this. But God, God's not encompassed by time. God knows the beginning from the end. God knows and, and longs for you to get to where he wants you to go, right, if I could say it like that. But God is not encompassed by time. He's sovereign. He's omnipotent. That's some big fancy words that uh, other people have that I just borrowed. Um, but here's the story of Noah, and I want to dive in right here and skip the first eight verses because the first eight verses... Um, just kind of really quickly shed light on the fact that the Bible's not all sanitized. <laughs> it's not all like fluffy and, and God is, you know, you know, just love and, and just puppy dogs and butterflies. And right here in the beginning of, of, of Genesis, we learn that God's going to kill everybody, right? God's going to set a flood. Probably not what they said to you in Sunday school years ago to the little kids' class. Like, guess what, everybody? God's going to kill everybody, right? But the good news is God was going to also rescue the world from the mess of sin and the destruction that came along with this mess of sin by allowing a guy by the name of Noah who got this assignment to build a boat. So let's skip to verse 9. In verse 9, it says this. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Now, first off, as I read that, nobody read that verse and said, that's me, right? No one, no one read that verse and said, that's the story of my life. I didn't read that verse and say, that's the story of my life. If I read that and it was an account of my life, it would say something probably different. Jeff's a nice guy, or at least sometimes he tries to be. A lot of times he's not. But give the boy a hand, he tries, he tries kind of hard, okay? So mine would not quite be like that. At least that's what we would assume of how God views us, right? I would not assume God would put that up there about me. But that's up there about this guy named Moa. And so um, we, we think we're, we don't think we're that perfect. This looks like Noah's got it going on. He sounds pretty perfect. Somehow we think um, maybe he wasn't sinful, um, but this, this is uh, really all, not all about Noah's good works, but God's, God's good work, all right? So Genesis chapter 6, I'm going to skip down a little ways. In verse 22, it says, And Noah did everything just as God commanded him. So wow, wow, Noah, you're doing pretty good. So, so far, Noah, God says, you're, you're a good guy, you're righteous. People notice that you're a good guy. 
you've got an assignment from God. And let me just say that this assignment in totality took 100 years. That's a long assignment. Noah, build a, build a boat, put people on the boat, your family, put your family on the boat, grab two animals of every kind, male and female, put them all on the boat. They had to get cats on there too, I understood, so that's why we have cats today. But Noah's on a boat for, for a pretty good long period of time, 370-some days, but in totality, from start when God said build the boat to when they got off the ark, 100 years. Now here's an assignment given to a guy by God that you had to question some of it along the way. At least we would assume Noah would have to question this at some point because you know how we pray for things or we feel like God's led us to do something or you're hoping from God something. Like some of you guys right now are like praying for a husband. <laughs> or you're praying for a wife. You're like, God, I've been praying. Where's my wife? Where's my husband? It took Noah 100 years for this thing to happen. So I believe with all my heart God's got a plan for us. God has this, like, divine assignment, assignment for all of us. God's got a plan and a purpose for our lives. But with his grace is also God's grace and timing. Sometimes what you think that you want is not exactly the timing for when God wants it. Sometimes God's bringing to you what you've been praying for or getting you to the place where you feel like you're being used but it's all in God's grace, and it's all in his perfect timing. So here we have Noah. Um, and in verse 13, it says, By the first day of the first month of Noah's 601st year, that means dude's old, all right? He got an assignment at five, like 499, <laughs> right? 601 years old. And it says that in, in, the, in the 601st year, the water had dried up from the earth. And then Noah removed the covering from the ark and saw that the surface of the ground was dry. And by the, the, get this, by the 27th day of the second month, the earth was completely dry. And then God said to Noah, come out of the ark. You know Noah's got some level of patience. Because for 370 days, we find that he was in a boat with all his family and every animal. Could you imagine being in a motorhome with your family for 370 days and the relatives and all the cats, all the dogs, and add in a few extra farm animals? I mean, Noah, Noah found out that the, 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 the land was dry, but he waited for God to tell him to come out like a month or so later, and then he came out. Man, when that water was dry, I would fly out of that boat to get some me time, Right? How many of you guys, I know this will sound a little bit, a little bit rough, but how many of you guys, be honest with me, this is what we're in church, how many of you guys have ever just like gone somewhere in your house, you've got a crowd over, you go somewhere in your house and visit the restroom and you do not have to go? Just for some me time. Look around, there's hands everywhere. I thought I was the only one. Just saying, every now and then you've got to get some me time in the bathroom. Me and my friend John. All right, so... So then God says to Noah, come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your wives, and bring out every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds, the animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground so that they can multiply in the earth and be fruitful and increase in number on it. So then you guys remember shortly after that they get out on the earth, 
All the animals come out of the ark. Noah gets off the boat. All the family gets off the boat. The boat's, wherever the boat's at at this moment, sitting on dry ground, what does God give Noah as a reminder that he's never going to do that again? A rainbow. Everybody knows the rainbow, and if you know biblically, that, is, that was God's like promise. I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to flood the earth again. Here's what's crazy. God gives Noah a, a, a rainbow is, is like this beautiful message. Um, and what's crazy, and I, I want to make sure I say this correctly. Yeah, God, God gives Noah a rainbow. A few like chapters later, God gives Abraham a circumcision, right? Here's a sign for you, Noah. Here's a sign for Abraham. Thought that was kind of crazy. Thought I'd just make note of that. Um, so all of a sudden now we're thinking Noah's awesome, right? Noah, wow, you are the man. Righteous. Like, did everything God asked? You even waited in the ark. Like, even after the, dry, the ground was dry, you waited in the ark until God said you could get out. Noah, you are awesome. And let me just bring this back up again. Did, did God know everything about Noah's life in advance? So God, God knew everything about Noah's life. He knew everything Noah was going to do because he knows the beginning from the end, right? All right, let's read on. Here's the part that perhaps you didn't hear of when you were in Sunday school or that you've ever heard of if you've never been a part of Sunday school. Here's perhaps the part you didn't know about Noah's life. Read all those wonderful things. Noah's awesome. God knows everything about Noah. God chose Noah even though he knew everything about Noah. So here's something else about Noah's life. Noah gets off the boat. Noah, a man of the soil, meaning he knew how to plant, Proceeded to plant a vineyard. Man needed a drink. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm not advocating. That's, you can, you, we can have a topic about this. Some of it. But the man off the boat, he needed a drink. Right? Woo! 370 days on an ark with all those people. He, he, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, so he plants a vineyard. And when he drank some of its wine, what happened? He became drunk. He became drunk and lay uncovered inside his tent. So you get the picture. Here's Noah. He gets, he gets drunk, passes out naked, and you have this story of now not just beautifully awesome Noah does everything right. You have like a disturbing picture now, right? And it's told, so we visibly get this visual, that here a godly, holy man blows it, blows it, has, you know, gets into like a complete drunken stupor, passes out naked in his tent. So much so that there's a discussion with scholars about what happens next to this guy. He has three sons, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. One of his sons doesn't say what goes on, what happens, but he comes in first, sees his dad, we don't know what takes place, but then we know through Scripture that the other two sons realize what's going on. They come in, walking backwards, and don't look at their dad, and they cover him. Noah wakes up from his drunken stupor and curses the one son. We don't know what happens. We just know that this was a mess. This was a mess in the family. This was here our, our dad who we idolized, who just royally had one of his worst days ever. We got naked Noah right? This is not what you learned in Sunday school, am I right? 
Could you imagine someone trying to, like, work the whole flannel graph with that? Right? Here, everybody, look at naked Noah. You know how honest kids are? Kids would, kids would say, like, oh, my gosh, that's what happens to my daddy every night. Right? Just imagine. That's, that's why that never happened in Sunday school. No one ever taught me that in Sunday school. I'm saying, why didn't someone tell me that? They just, how, how, do, you, how do you do that on a flannel graph? It's not happened. So, so this is disturbing. Noah gets drunk. He passes out. And again, did God know Noah was going to do this before he built the ark? Absolutely. Absolutely. God didn't pick Noah because Noah was good. It's not why I picked him. God picked Noah because God was good. God picked Noah because God was good. See, this is where we get lost in this whole idea and this whole picture of grace. Grace is not something that is earned by us. None of us are that good. This guy makes like the hero hall of fame in the Bible. But we now know him as drunk Noah. This is what's so crazy about the picture of grace as it comes to God. Now, this is, this, this is heavy in the church world, right? Because over time, all of us sort of fall in love with our goodness. Like at one time, maybe you were much worse than where you are right now. We all still sin. No, none of us will ever get to heaven sinless. But hopefully, along the way, we clean some of that junk up, right? Because a lot of it has some heavy circumstances associated to it. Am I right? Some, you, some of us are glad we're not where we used to be. Some of us are glad that we understood God's grace. And out of the love that God gave to us, we're like, gosh, why would I stay stuck, right? Why would I be stuck in this when I could have this incredible walk with Christ? So God didn't pick Noah because he was good. He picked Noah because God was good. And here's what's crazy that I never knew of as it pertains to the story of Noah. Drunk Noah is never talked about again. Noah falling down. And that visual, that disturbing, despicable scenario of naked, drunk Noah is never discussed or recorded again in the Bible. Do you know Jesus brings up Noah two times? Matthew and Luke never brings up drunk Noah. Peter brings up Noah two times. Nobody talks about drunk Noah. People record Noah as the hero, but not because he was good, but because God was good. Let me read you one, one other place in the Bible where the story of Noah is recorded. Hebrews eleven six 6 and 7 says this, And without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Verse 7, By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is keeping with faith. Nobody refers back to naked Noah in the Bible. That's grace. That's grace. That's grace. That's God's grace that covers that sin. You know what Scripture says? Love covers a multitude of sins. Husbands, that's what you're supposed to do for your wives. When she blows it, when she she makes mistakes... 
You're not supposed to antagonize it, point it out, keep pointing it out, keep pointing it out, reminder of it. No. Nobody's talking about drunk Noah here. Grace is covering. God's love, God's grace covers. God's not trying to point you out, punk you out. That's called condemnation. Jesus came so we would no longer be condemned. So here's what's cool. Or here's, here's three, three, three conclusions about this story that I want to give to you real quick. Grace says God loves me, period. Grace says God loves me, period. End of story. If God knew everything about you and went ahead and arranged payment for you through Jesus in spite of our sin, then we know he loves us. That's grace. Grace says, secondly, I'm not what I've done on my worst day. (laughs) Right? Grace says, I'm not what I've done on my worst day. You know how we like to label people, right? You got your neighbor, that's so-and-so, he's the liar, right? Word gets out, oh yeah, that's the guy who lies. Or the guy at your work, yeah, that's the guy, divorced four times. He's the divorce guy. Or there's the homosexual person, there's the drunk guy. You know, we're great at labeling stuff. Let me, let me just tell you this. In Christ, when you become a Christ follower in Christ, you're made brand new. Our enemy loves to try to tell us who he thinks we are. And maybe you were that, but in Christ, you're no longer that. In Christ, we're made new. Let me show you this very powerful scripture, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, immoral or, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with other men, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. That's, that's pretty much everything out there, right? There's, that probably covers all the whole gamut of sin. Let me tell you this. Paul's writing to a church. Paul's writing to the Corinthian church. Well, you might ask, well, Jeff, I'm sure some of those people were probably still doing some of those things, weren't they? Yeah, they're still sinners. They're saved by God's grace, but they're still, they're still charting their course, finding their way back to God, right? None of them are perfect at this point. So here's what's cool about this verse. And that is what some of you were. So he's talking to the Corinthian church, and he says that's those, those names, those, those labels that may associate with you, that's who you were. Meaning something happened in your life. Let me say what happened. This is what happened. Those in the Corinthian church who made Jesus leader and forgive their life, that's their old story. Their new story is this. But you were washed, and you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. In Christ, you're made new. No longer can the enemy or anybody else tell you who you are. Christ can tell you who you are. And you know who he says you are? 
you're a son or you're a daughter of the Most High King. And he loves you no matter what. That's grace. Grace says, I'm not what I've done on my worst day. Last one is this. Grace says, our activities do not determine our identity. Our activities do not determine our identity. I pulled this out of uh, one of my John Maxwell books, great leadership guru, wonderful Christian, been a pastor for many years prior to a lot of the leadership stuff he does. He wrote this. He said, grace says we cannot run, run far enough, disobey long enough, or do anything wrong enough that God does not want us back. Somebody needs to hear that today. Grace says we cannot run far enough, disobey long enough, or do anything wrong enough that God does not want us back. Maybe you've been told God doesn't want anything to do with you. Let me tell you today, that's not true. That is not true. I'm going to invite our band to come up, and I'm going to close with this uh, visual. How many of you guys have ever heard the story of Rick and Dick uh, Hoyt, the father-son racing team? Has ever heard of that story where um, mom and dad find out they have a, a, a son who's got massive brain damage and can't do anything on his own? In fact, for a good period of time, they didn't think he could think or communicate or anything was going on upstairs. But through technology, they finally figured out that this kid could, could communicate. So something happens where he gets uh, exposed to a race, and he, and he communicates to his dad that brings me joy. That makes me happy. So his dad, I don't know if it was a, com- a kind of commitment he made, but his dad took the boy and raced with him, carried him, biked with him, pulled him in a boat, whatever it was, the first race, but the son loved it. Now, fast forward many years, they've now done 1,100 races, 1,100 races, 70, to break that down, 72 marathons, 72 marathons where the dad carries the son. 97 half marathons, 250 triathlons, which is a swim, a run, and a bike. And six Ironman triathlons, which if you know anything about those, like a two and a half mile swim, that's just pretty stupid if you ask me. Nobody should ever swim that far. But here's a dad. Let me show you some photos. Here's a dad that pulls his son two and a half miles by boat, gets out of the boat, and in these Ironmans, carries his son, lifts him out of the boat, carries his son, puts him in some kind of device where he pushes his son for a full 26 miles in a run. He gets off the bike and he carries his son and puts, or excuse me, off the, the, the running thing that he has, puts his son on a bike. The son, get this, the son is only able to finish the race because of the work of the father. The son is only able to finish the race because the work that's been done by the Father. I want you to see a video as our band plays through this. And I want you to think about the work that the Father has done and continues to do for us. And I want you to be reminded that this is a picture of God's grace.
He is a daddy. And his grace will carry us through to the end of the race. God loves you and I no matter what. Check this out. teams up and we're going to close with this last song 
Is that not a picture of a dad who loves his son? I see a lot of people wiping their eyes. What an amazing picture of a dad, a really good dad, right? Who loves his son and, like, would, would stop at nothing, would stop at nothing to show his love to his son. Why? Because it brings his son joy. You see him crossing that line and that boy's just shaking his hand like, yeah, we did it. He didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. What a beautiful picture of God's grace. God's loving forgiveness of us. Grace can and will carry us all the way through to the end of our lives. It's really the only thing that's on us is just saying yes to God's grace. God, I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. Pray with me. God, I pray in this moment for anybody that would say, God, I've never been forgiven by you. I understand that Jesus is that piece of grace that you extended to us to forgive us, that that models to us your amazing love. God, thank you for what you did on the cross. Thank you for how it gives us hope for life forever uh, through you, God. God, I pray that for everyone in here who, who may not know you, I pray that today they would just simply cry out to heaven and just say, God, I need your grace. Just, just believe that God is who he said he was and just say, God, I want you to forgive me and I ask you to be the leader of my life today. God, I pray in the days that come as we learn more about your grace, God, we would begin to just start pursuing you and following you and just uh, allowing you to lavish us with your love and your grace. God, I pray that you would remind us who you say we are, not who everyone else says and labels us to be, but God, through you, who we are. God, I pray you take these resources, this offering moment, God, in this time. God, I pray you, you, you help us not to see this as something we're trying to fund the church, but yet, God, you're trying to free us from the grip of God of greed in our life. God, help us to learn to trust you more. God, use our stuff for others, God, to find you. Thank you, God, how you used our resources leading up to Easter to to help 200-plus people, God, find eternity with you, God. Thank you so much for using so many people in this church to help that happen. God, thank you for using people's stuff to put people in heaven. In your precious name we pray, amen.